Hey, fellow mathers, do you have limited classroom time? Do you want to make the biggest, best impact on your students that you can? Then you need to start here with the Math is Figureoutable Challenge. It's three one-hour sessions of the quickest and most powerful ways to reach the most students with the most math. We're having special guest Jenna Labe. Mark your calendars for May 15th through 17th at 7 p.m. Central and watch this space to find out when registration opens. If you can't make those times, you'll want to register anyway so you can get access to the session recordings. And now, on to the episode. Hey, fellow mathematicians! Welcome to the podcast where math is figureoutable. I'm Pam. And I'm Kim. And we make the case that mathematizing is not about mimicking steps or rote memorizing facts, but it's about thinking and reasoning, about creating and using mental relationships. We take the strong stance that not only are algorithms not particularly helpful in teaching, but that mimicking algorithms actually keep students from being the mathematicians they can be. We answer the question, if not algorithms and step-by-step procedures, then what? This week, we're going to continue our series on building addition facts through relationship and fluency through experience. Ooh, Today, like how you said that. Okay. <laughs> Today, we're going to dive right into some of the most important relationships that we want to build in students. Sorry for interrupting. I just no, really like okay. how you said that. That was good. <laughs> building addition facts through relationship and fluency through experience. Bam. Man, I work so with good funny. people. <laughs> All right, I want to start today. I just heard you say fluency. Yeah. This word sticks in my craw just a little bit because I think it is, there's like a lot of definitions floating around. In fact, Jenny Bay Williams and I were at a conference one, one time and I, I had only barely met her. She probably had no idea who I was. And I just kind of, I was like, hey, I have a problem with the way the math community at large uses the word fluency. And you're in a position to help change that. And brilliantly, they just wrote this whole, and she and uh, John San Giovanni just wrote figuring out fluency, did a really nice job. Can I take credit? No, I'm not going to take credit for that. But um, I did definitely like chat with her about this idea that the word fluency, some people think means that I am good at procedures. And I want to push up against that and say, no, no, no. Fluency means that you don't get bogged down in it, that you are fluent enough in it, that you're not off to the side trying to figure it out. And now you can't get back to where you were, that it sort of drags you out of the work you were doing in such a way that you can't then have sort of the conversation if you're talking about being fluent in a, in, a, in a language or that you can't do the mathematics because you sort of got derailed over here because it was bogging you down. Do we want students who are fluent? Everyone nod. Of course we do. But it doesn't mean that they are just like, oh, and now I can do the procedure without thinking. No, 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 no. That's not fluent. That's a robot. That's a computer. We don't, we don't need those. We need thinking and reasoning human beings that don't get bogged down in stuff that we need them fluent at, the fluent with. And I yeah. just ended lots of sentences with a <laughs> and I don't care. <laughs> you know, it's so funny that you are mentioning this right now, kind of off the cuff, because it makes me think of one of my sons, well, I'll just mm-hmm. say Luke, my older son, was okay. in um, a situation where he was taking an IQ test, like a legit psychological evaluation, like the real deal IQ test, right? Okay. 
my fave. Not. I've I've spoken about Luke before and how, you know, he's a thinker and a reasoner and just amazes me, right? I mean, I'll pipe in. He is an amazing mathematician. Yeah. I have had some wonderful math conversations with him. Yeah. Uh, far above where I would think a student in his grade level would be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so what I found interesting, so when we got the result of that back, one of his lowest, lowest, I'm air quoting, areas was fact fluency. It was a timed situation. I So I already talked about this in, in our previous part of our series about- How much we love time. Yes, how much we, we love, love. Yeah, no, but, um, don't. For such a great reasoner and thinker and, you know, well accoladed for all the things math, it was one of his lowest areas because it was speed dominant. It was completely based on his fluency. They quoted it fluency. And I would argue that he is very fluent with his facts. I would agree with you completely. Yeah. In fact, if anything, I can almost picture him going seven times eight. That's it. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, that's all you. Oh, okay. Six. <laughs> like he, he yeah. would be like trying to find that what's hard in it. Yeah. Uh, like what am I what's supposed to think? Point? Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to think about here? Oh, yeah, nothing. Absolutely. Well, yeah. okay. I guess I'll just tell you that it's fifty-six. Yeah. Random. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I can totally see him doing that. Yeah. 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 Now you know how we feel about IQ tests. Yeah. All right. So in anything where speed becomes like this important. Now, is speed ever important? Let's be clear. Probably on the basketball court, it's a little important. <laughs> you're you know? driving down the road. When you're driving down the road, you got to be. In fact, my kids, oh, my, 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 I love my kids. When, not all of them, but when they were learning to drive, some of them would slow down when doing things that where they shouldn't slow down. And I'm mm. like, you can't slow down here. I'm trying to think of it. What's a good, what's a good instance where you on don't want to slow down? What? Getting on the highway. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Or, or changing lanes. Yep. Like, don't slow down. Like you can (laughs) shout, not slow down. Not right now. And so they, but they're like, but I'm being careful. I'm like, you're going to get killed. Like you can't, this is not a time. So there are instances in life where speed is important. But slowing down to be careful is a brilliant thought when you're thinking about math. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. All right. So so on to patterns, Pamela. Oh yeah. So we're talking about (laughs) patterns with um, addition facts and that if we can help students identify patterns in addition facts, then that will help them automatize those facts um, easier, better, uh, more, and be more fluent in those addition facts because it takes the onus off of so many to like get down. Oh no, I can just think about those. I understand that relationship. I can just use that relationship. Woo! I'll just do that. And then all of a sudden we're sort of free to just think and reason and we're not bogged down by speed pressure or by this sort of rote memory pressure. We All we have to do is kind of use the relationships. And yep. that is mathematizing, just right. as an aside. And so we can, we can do it with single digit facts. Cool. One of those uh, patterns that we want to bring up today is doubles. Doubles are important. Yes? Doubles are really cool. Yeah. So when we're... Um... Oh, I have a story. Okay. Can I tell a story? Sorry. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> when I was beginning, when I was, be- okay, I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of a view into my non-numeracy. When I started this journey, I was teaching high school math. Uh, I was doing technology training. I was wandering around the country, helping teachers understand how to use technology to teach high school math better. I was doing a workshop, I'll never forget, in San Antonio, Texas, with a group of pre-calculus teachers. And we were dealing with a rational expression. So a thing divided by a thing. Kind of looks like a fraction, but it had variables in it. And one of the teachers said something about something 35 and it had to do with if we doubled the 35, it turned into 70. And then, and then there was a nicer division that happened. And I was like, wait, what? 
at thir- and, and and somebody said something about doubles and I was like, oh yeah, doubles are really important. But 35? Like it had never occurred when I was dealing with doubles, I was thinking what we're talking about today, which is single digit doubles. Mm-hmm. It had never occurred to me that 35 was an important double. So we're not going to really go into higher digit doubles today, but we want kids to learn single digit doubles because doubles are important. And then later then they can learn um, higher digit doubles. So when you say we want kids to, um, to have some experience with them, some of that is just noticing them, right? Mm-hmm. Discussing that they're actually a thing in our lives. We have a lot of doubles that if we just notice. And one of the things that we uh, really love is games with doubles. Mm-hmm. Yep. One of our favorites is a Kathy Fosno game called the shoe game. Yep. Um, so there's the, the mat, the playboard is uh, just pairs of shoes Kids roll a die that says maybe five, and then they move their marker ahead. They have to think about it first, right? Like what's the double of five? And so they they have to consider 10. And so they move forward that that many spaces. Mm -hmm. I love the differentiation of this game because there's a second die available. And if kids don't know the double of five, then they can pick up the second die and turn it to the five, and then they can count if they need to. So they would count the five and five or... Uh, start with five and count up to 10. Mm -hmm. Um, So they get to the end of the game board, they turn around, they come back and the game ends with both students being back at the beginning of the game board. So that's one that we absolutely love. Kathy Fosno, um, we give her credit for that game. Yep. Brilliant, brilliant curriculum writer, Kathy is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we would love for students to have some experience with games. Kim, tell us about the, what is it called? Doubles? Oh, doubles. Yeah, there's a double game. So a game board, this is can start with single digit facts. They go up to 10 plus 10, I believe. So doubles has a game board that's like, I don't know, there's maybe 15. It looks like a bingo board, right? Yes, a bingo board. Uh Mm -hmm. And it has just a bunch of single digit uh, numbers on there. The kids roll. um, Single and double. Yeah. I guess it goes up to 10, maybe to 12. I think Um, so. I've seen game boards that go up higher. So I, oh, you sort of okay. choose the game board that goes as high, I guess, as you as know. you really want to. Yeah, I think so. So um, what I love about this game is that you can play with this particular board and play a couple of different games. So the doubles game is simply you draw a card. Oh, gosh, I'm not even remembering. Draw cards. So roll, draw a card. I think that's why you were thinking about the lower one. So you yes. roll a die and that's going to only go up till 12. Yeah. But you could draw a card and that can go up as high as the doubles of the, your highest card. Right, or right, you can right. spin a spinner. And I think that's the version I'm thinking of. Yes. You I spin a spinner right. and then you have other options of numbers that, that you can double. So if you spin a six, then you double it and you put your marker on the 12. And so that's, you go back to the first, that's first, the first version. level of it, right? The yep. first version. Um, the next part I really love and it's more interesting to me is that then you can play doubles plus one or doubles minus one. So you spend the six, you double it, you say 12, and then you say, I'm going to plus one or minus one to cover either the 13 or the 11. Yeah. Depending on what's free. Right. And you can kind of think about that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And with any of those versions, we love the fact that then after the game is sort of played, then you ask questions like, Hey, what numbers did you cover? What numbers did you not cover? Right. What numbers will you never cover? Mm Mm-hmm. And now we get to start talking. So I'm going to let everybody think about that for just a second. If we're playing the version where I spin the spinner, I double it, and I put my marker on that double, what numbers will I never cover on that game board? Kim? Sorry, I was distracted. 
if I if I if I play the first, that's hilarious. If I'm playing the first version of the game and I spin a spinner and I double it and I go cover that number, so we're just mm-hmm. covering doubles. What numbers will I never cover? I will never cover odds. Odd numbers, right? Because yeah. you can't double yep. a whole number and get an odd number. And then if I'm playing the plus or minus version. Yep. Then I'm going to ask now, now, all of a sudden I'm, I'm not covering any evens, right? I'm yep, only covering absolutely. odds and that's so cool. And so we like games like that. They kind of have multiple levels of things going on. It can kind of keep some kids thinking that have had more experience and keep kids really learning that have had less experience. Uh, brilliant, brilliant game. One of the ways I like to develop, maybe if your students don't know the doubles. So we kind of have said in the shoe game, there was the option that they could sort of match the die And then that would help them if they don't know the double. But in the doubles game, if they don't know it, then maybe you could notice that as a teacher. And a way that you could kind of help develop doubles is to uh, look at them on um, a number rack or a rack and rack. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if I said, well, here's seven, what's double seven? So I move over seven beads on the top and then I would move over seven beads on the bottom. And then I would encourage kids to look at, to notice the pattern of the 10 in there. So I in seven, there's a five. And so in that other seven, since I'm doubling it, there's also a five and I could pull out that 10. Mm -hmm. What's left over? Well, the two and the two. Mm -hmm. Oh, so I can think about that as 10 plus that leftover four. And that can help me sort of think about doubling seven. So doubling single digit facts can be nice on a number rack because we can sort of have those, those tens kind of pop and it can be a way to develop them. Yep. Yeah. Cool. And we don't want students to just know doubles. We also want them to know near doubles, right? Right. So sometimes I hear teachers say doubles plus or minus one. Uh-huh. I'm okay. Okay, maybe I'm not. I was going to say I'm okay <laughs> with that. I would prefer, if you don't mind, if, if, if you have to say doubles plus or minus one, quickly move to near doubles. Right. So maybe it's, uh, or, or just start with near doubles. But, yep. but if, yeah, so it, it's about near doubles because then that kind of extends. I can get into bigger numbers now and I can think about not just plus or minus one from a double, but I can think about questions like 32 plus 36. And I can say to myself, well, bam, that's almost 35 plus 35, but I'm down three and up one. So I'm really just down two. And so if I know double 35 and then I can just go down two, Mm -hmm. then I can sort of think about 70 minus two and I can get that 68 from a problem that was only near doubles. Yeah. Um, And so I kind of want to keep it as, you know, general enough. Anyway, so near doubles, near doubles are important to work with youngsters. Yeah. And it's really what you were just describing is some early work into could be the over strategy with Mm. um, near doubles. Yeah, um, and absolutely. what you were just describing was um, early work into give and take. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so yeah. doubles are going to be really important um, to to go there. Cool. What's another nifty pattern? Um, yeah. So another pattern that we love is the 10 plus or the teens, the 10 and, which would have already happened in younger grades, right? So really early, we're talking about numbers composed of 10 and, or and we call those the teens and there's the whole weird like names for all of them. So students will already know things like 10 plus five or 10 plus four, 10 and. But with the commutative property, remember we mentioned that earlier, that means they also know five plus 10 and five plus uh, four plus 10. So making them aware of, oh, you know, the teen numbers. So then, you know, the turnaround fact, and we have to do work to help them make a sense of that and know that they know, like, you know, this, and here's how you know this. 
And if you remember last week, we talked about allowing kids to mess with the number rack and flipping it upside down to help them cement that commutative property. Yeah. So for example, hey, let's just notice that we know 10, I pull over 10 beads on the top, plus five, I pull over five beads on the bottom. We know that that's 15. So then now I've flipped the number rack upside down. So do you also know what five on the top plus 10 on the bottom? Oh, sure enough. And so now we can kind of make sense of, of some facts that might but we, what we don't want is students going, oh, what's what's four plus 10? Hmm, yeah. Four, five, six, seven, eight, and then counting yeah. it by 10. When when they know 10 plus four, if they know 10 plus four, let's bring the community property in. Let's notice that, make sense of it. We are good to go. Cool. So another cool pattern, I'm going to let you talk about this one because I think this might be one of your favorite patterns, is to think about how we can add nine. How do you add nine, Kim? Yeah. So we just mentioned the community of property, right? To think Mm -hmm. about plus 10, like if you have five plus 10, then if you know five plus 10, then you can also just back up. And it's the over strategy. It's one of my favorite strategies. So if you know five plus 10 is 15, then you know five plus nine is just one less. So 14. And that is early over strategy. Bam. So just to back that up just a little bit. So if I'm dealing with a problem like mm, six plus nine, then I mm-hmm. might say to myself, well, I know 10 plus six. Therefore, I know six plus 10. Yeah. That's where you were talking about the community yeah. property. Uh-huh. So I know six plus 10. Well, that's 16. But I just need six plus nine. So I back up one. Whoop. Yeah. And, and I, it's funny. Often I'll talk to people and I'll say something about plus nine and they'll go, well, there, there's this funny thing. There's just, and, and, and they don't even necessarily describe it all that well because they've kind of just been doing it in their head. Yes. We can make that much more, um, what's the word I want? Get it out of their head. Make it uh, not just something that's like living inside, but but we we make it visible. We, we pull it out so we can talk about it and, and make it, um, we put it on a number line. Well, if I know six plus 10, big jump mm-hmm. is 16, then six plus nine, not such a big a jump. Well, how, how, how not so, just one, one smaller than that? Yeah, sure. We just back up one. So totally, uh, and and you love the over strategy. I do love the over strategy. Yes. (laughs) Such an important relationship. And so the relationships we've talked about today, so important to identify, explore, play with, and own. Y'all, in our next episode, we're going to talk about what's probably the most important relationship that we need kids to own as they are developing and, and really gaining and automatizing the single digit facts. So you are not going to want to miss next week's episode as we talk about the partners of 10. Hey, we've got a free download for you today. We are loving uh, really working with y'all on the single digit facts. We have some important addition fact relationships, a free download for you so that you can really like focus on these important fact relationships for addition. You can get that at mathisfigureoutable.com slash add relationships. We also want to remind you that registration is currently open for our deep dive workshops. You can check those four workshops out at mathisfigureoutable.com slash workshops. Yeah, and if you're listening to this at a different time, you can totally join the wait list at that same URL, mathisfigureoutable.com slash workshops. Be a great, great way to get on the wait list or take the workshop now while registration is open. It's, It's an experience that I don't think you can duplicate anywhere as we dive deep into content at your level. So if you want to learn more mathematics and refine your math teaching so that you and students are mathematizing more and more, 
then join the Math is Figureoutable movement and help us spread the word that math is figureoutable. Thank you for listening and making math more figureoutable. Remember, we're going to be opening registration for the Math is Figureoutable challenge soon. Mark your calendar from May 15th through 17th. You are not going to want to miss these free PD evenings where you'll learn four routines you need in your classroom that are naturally engaging and encourage students to think mathematically. And remember, if you can't make those times, registering gets you access to the recordings. Keep making math figureoutable.